All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're uh, thankful for uh, Matt and his ministry to our kids. We're thankful that we have so many young people who are um, a part of our church and a part of the ministry here. And uh, many of those are graduating this year, and we are very thankful that uh, they have established themselves in their faith and that they have received a a good foundation as they uh, get ready to move out into the next stage of their life. I thank you, Father, for each one of them. I thank you for their uh, contributions to our church, their contributions to our school and our community. I thank you for the the witness that they have been to other students, the example that they have been over the years at our high school. And uh, I just thank you that uh, I've been able to, to be a part of uh, watching them uh, grow into this uh, place in their life. We'd ask, Father, that as they move on to whatever that is is that you have in store for them next, that you will grant them the assurance that you are going with them, that you're walking with them each step, that there's nothing that they will encounter, there's nothing that they can um, that they will have to deal with, that they can't look to you for guidance, assurance, and confidence in your Son. We thank you that you have a, a wonderful future planned for each one of them, that you have things in store for them that they can't even dream, that you have plans for them that will um, be so wonderful and so blessed that we can hardly imagine. We just pray that you would bless them, that you'd help our church to continue to be a strength and a guide for them and a, and a, a place where they can always call home. And with that, we are so very grateful that you have brought us all together as your children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. And as I was thinking about these graduates, I was thinking about um, some of them maybe being raised, you know, and, and even being dedicated as um, babies in this church. And others, maybe um, they were somewhere else and they were dedicated um, at that church, or maybe they weren't at all. But I still believe as the church, we, um, we have a, a responsibility and we, I think, um, do a great job of ministering to the children and the youth and to the families and being a part of um, that process as uh, we see the kids grow up and, and, and we try and steer them in the right direction. And I came across some numbers uh, that I just, uh, I just want to share um, real quickly. These are average numbers, but if someone was to be in church weekly, um, the average would be 70 to 100 hours in the course of a year. So in the course of a year, if you were in church weekly, um, 70 to 100 hours would be sent, spent at church. Um, at camp, if you were to go, it would be about 70 hours. Uh, your parents, and again, these are average numbers, their influence, the time with them would be 400 to 600 hours a year um, so think of these the, the time that is spent with 
um, these young people and uh, the different roles that we see, the church, you know, camp, parents. Um, then at school, 1,600 to 1,800 hours uh, are spent at school and online. And this, this is a number that has continued just to, to come up. And, and I think we all are aware that it's a, a huge number, but 2,000 to 3,000 hours spent online. So, I mean, who knows what that is, whether that's um, Netflix or whether that's social media or um, watching YouTube videos or whatever, but just online. And, and think of those numbers, the, the hours of influence. Um, and, and so I love that um, our church is dedicated to being a part of raising the children and the youth, and, and we reach out to the community, and, and to get to be a part of that is a blessing. Um, but what I know is, is um, as a parent, um, as a person, we have a personal responsibility to take those opportunities that are given to us. And so these young people, um, I, I, I'm just astounded by their dedication, some of them, to, to their studies, because that was not me in school. I was an average student because um, really there are a lot of other things to uh, spend my time doing. Um, but you know, Sammy Bradeen is one of the valedictorians, and I say one of the valedictorians because there's a number of students who've worked really hard to focus on getting good grades and, and to be successful in their studies, but not just there. Then they are involved in different activities, and they are um, challenging themselves to, to be involved and do things, and, and they've spent a lot of time um, investing in those things. And so um, it, is, it is a cool thing to think about um, that it doesn't matter if you're the valedictorian or if you're someone who is an average student, um, this is a huge milestone, and it doesn't end here. You're moving on, and God's got a plan for your life. And so this morning, um, we're going to be looking at uh, that a little bit closer. But I want you to think about uh, uh, something. When I graduated high school, my youth pastor, Pastor Sam Stemple, was a great man. He came in uh, to the church when I was in high school, and um, he was... Uh, he was devoted to serving the Lord, and I got to benefit um, from a couple of years of being in youth group with him, but he gave me a gift when I graduated. He gave me My Utmost for His Highest, a devotional book by Oswald Chambers. And I'm going to tell you that it is an excellent devotional. Um, it, is, it is a devotional that I read through and I really ate up, um, and it changed my life once I started reading it and, and I started paying attention to what I was reading. Um, I was given that gift June of 1995. I didn't open it up and start reading it um, that year. Now, I could say that I was waiting till January 1st because it's a year-long devotional and I wanted to start at the beginning, you know, because that's what you do, right? You start a book at the beginning. So I had to wait till January 1st of 1996, but that didn't happen. Now, I had the book. I appreciated the gift. I opened it up. I knew where it was, but it would be five plus years before I would actually sit down, open up that book, and start taking advantage of the gift that was given to me. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that with a gift, maybe a book yourself. Maybe it was a gift that you got seasonally out of place so you couldn't use it right away. But have you ever gotten a gift and you opened it up, you had it, but you didn't use it? Maybe you stuck it on the shelf, set it aside. I hope you didn't lose it. 
Okay, I hope you didn't get a gift, put it somewhere, lose it, and never to find it again, because that's happened. I don't know if it's happened to you. I don't know if it's happened to me, because I would have lost it. But, have you ever gotten a gift and not opened it? That doesn't seem right, does it? Have you ever received a gift and thought, well, I'm just not going to open that gift, maybe because... The person who gave it to you, you weren't getting along, you are upset with them, and so that was your way of, of handling getting back at them. Or um, maybe you think you know what's in the gift and, and you just don't want to open it. But have you ever gotten a gift and not opened it? That doesn't seem like a reasonable thing to do, right? Um, I've been to several birthday parties, especially recently. Um, one was my daughter's. One was a little boy who just turned eight yesterday. And the excitement that comes from the opening of the gift. It's hard to imagine that we would get a gift and not open it. Or open it and be excited about it and not use it. Um, but this morning, I, I want to take you to Matthew 25. And I, I want you to look at this parable that Jesus shared about some gifts that were given to some men. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I am. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The generosity of the Master before he goes on this journey, giving the talents to his servants 
has got to be recognized. Now, in, in my Bible, it says that in the footnote, a talent would be equal to 20 years of a laborer. Uh, 20 years wages of a laborer. So if you think about that, even the one talent, the generosity, 20 years wages given. But multiply that times two or even five and think of how generous the Master was and how these servants then responded to His generosity. We see that the, the servant who was given five quickly doubled that and had five more. And the one who had two, he returned two more. But the one who had one, and we know it tells us that they were given according to their ability. But the one who had one, because of fear, buried it. The gift that was given to him, yeah, he knew what it was, but he didn't use it. He buried it. He was scared. He didn't take advantage of the gift. And it's interesting thinking about us. What would we do if we were given, let's say money, uh, 20 years wages? Think about what you might do if you were given that opportunity. Um, 40 years hundred years wages, if you were given those, um, would you be quick to go out and get a return on that? Would you make it grow? Knowing that you have a responsibility as you've been given that, or would you just bury it thinking, I don't want to lose it. I don't want anything to happen to it. It makes sense that we would want to invest that, especially in today's terms if we're thinking financially. We'd like to take the money that we have and invest it because then we could continue to have more but to have that and bury it. Now, some of you might actually know or you've heard about people who they don't trust the bank, they don't trust financial institutions, they don't trust anyone else, so they hide their money in their mattress. Or maybe they do bury it somewhere, hide it away, because they don't trust anyone. And, I, and I'm kind of thinking that's kind of what this servant with one talent. Now, um, understandably, we have to be careful what to do right with what we have and we don't need to trust everyone. But um, I've, never, I've never considered bearing away what I have. But I have done that. See, I've, I've been given things that I didn't realize. Um, I buried them away because I didn't understand the value of, the, of what was given to me. And I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about this idea of talents. The gifts that God has given us. See, the talents that that these servants were given doesn't represent just money, but it represents God having something for each of us. And based on our ability, based on who God created us to be and what we've done with that, God has given us different gifts. And the question is, what are we doing with the gifts that He has given us? And I think that even these young people who are, we, are, we are honoring some of them have done a great job using the gifts that God has given them because they've worked hard at their studies. They've worked hard um, in um, investing in the sports teams even. They've invested in their faith. Maybe by they volunteer with children's ministry or they've been involved in helping with BBS or they've been um, able to uh, go to camp and they've been able to grow in their faith. Um, two of them went to CIY and they had an experience that changed them, but it was hard because it was at a time when 
High school gets demanding. There's a lot of things going on and you're prioritizing. Christian logger athletes came out of that time. And, and, and for me to see these young people get together, the different um, Christians, but then also to invite those who don't know the Lord and to spend time together and look for opportunities to reach out to their community, their school, uh, reach out to Libby and, and to do service projects. Um, to look for opportunities to just bless people in need. Um, it, it was something that they had gifts, they had talents, and it started with a relationship with Christ, and they took advantage of, the, of that gift, and they used it to have an impact. And I think that God blessed them for that. But that was their choice. They had to do that. Just like these men, these servants, were given these gifts, these talents, and some of them used them. Two of them, right? The one didn't. And we don't want to be that one because we see what happens. Even though it seemed like little and he was in fear, um, he was called a wicked and slothful servant. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be called a wicked and slothful servant. The man should have known better, but the fear must have taken over and blurred his judgment. It's interesting he was quick to make excuses, right? There were, there were reasons, right? He was afraid. Um, he knew that his master was, well, he was going to be quick to work hard to use everything even more than what he had, right? And so he was afraid and that man now was going to be cast out. So what are we talking about here? Those talents and, and those gifts and how does that apply to our life? Um, what should we do with what God gave us? Not our money, but money is part of it. Um, but who we are. What we're good at. What, what we don't even know what we're good at yet because we haven't used what He gave us. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. And I'd like to start in, in the first verse of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, I therefore, and this is Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives. And He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean but that He was also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the One who also ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, 
by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There is unity in the body of Christ. The church. When we use our gifts that God has given us, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We are part of something bigger than just ourselves as Christians. There's a lot of good teaching in the passage that I want you to grab a hold of. Looking at verse 14, um, I just want to point out two things. No longer children. You will be tested, right? You will be challenged in your faith and holding on to the truth. And I think that young people already have experienced that as they're going through school. And especially if you look at the time they spend on social media, it has to be an attack on their faith. All the things that are out there, we know what that's like. But think of them leaving, and maybe they've had the security of a Christian home, right? And they've had the security of Christian friends, and they've had Christian mentors. They've, they've had the surrounding of strength in their faith. But then they're going to go off to school, and they're going to lose some of that. And so, what are they going to hold on to? And how are they going to handle the, the attacks on their faith? How are they going to handle what the world has to say about what is true and what is right? And, and we know, because we experience it as well. We see it. We face it in the workplace. We face it with people maybe in our family, our friends. And there are attacks. Um, what is going to happen when their faith is being challenged? What happens when our faith is being challenged? Verse 15, it says to grow up in every way into Christ. Let Christ lead the way as you continue to grow. And that's the challenge that we would continue to let Christ lead the way every day as we face those attacks on our faith that Christ would guide us. And how do we do that? We have to stay grounded in our faith by spending time in the Word, right? Uh, we have to surround ourselves with the right people, with the right media, with the right messages. But also, we need to let the Holy Spirit work. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And, and Paul has written the, the first letter now, the second letter to Timothy. And it's interesting how he addresses Timothy. Let's go ahead and just start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, 
but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel, for which I was appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that would have you would have heard from me. In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And I read this. It says, your eternal footprint will be determined by your response to the call of the Spirit to love a broken world. And as we try and make decisions in our lives, and oftentimes we think of things in worldly terms, how it's going to have an effect on us, how it's going to have an effect on other people, you know, whether that's financially, whether that's intellectually, whether that's emotionally, um, psychologically. Um, but what about spiritually? When we make decisions that are guided by the Spirit, eternal impact is what we need to be looking at. All right. Granted, there's a, a, a physical, there's a temporary um, impact here and now, but what about that eternal impact? When we let the Spirit guide us, our eternal footprint is huge. And that's something that we all need to keep in front of us as we make decisions in our life and as we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us to continue on. So just as Paul would write to Timothy about the faith that he had that started with his grandmother and carried on through his mother and now his, it must be fanned into flame. The gift of God must be fanned into flame for all of us. Not just as we see with Timothy, but and not just as we send these graduates out and we encourage them, but in all of us, our faith must be fanned into flame. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. We each have been given different gifts that we need to use. But we must be confident in Christ and content with the life that we have. The life that we live. You may not be called to be a preacher. You may not be called to be a teacher. But there should be a little evangelist in all of us as we have an opportunity to share the Gospel as Christians with whoever we're doing life with. People who don't know Jesus need to hear Jesus from us. People who don't know Jesus need to see Jesus through us. And we let the Spirit guide us. So it doesn't matter if you're not a preacher or a teacher, even if you're a carpenter, even if you're a forester, even if you're working in a restaurant or maybe at the grocery store, maybe you own a business. Um, Whatever it is that you're doing, God can use you and God has given you gifts and God wants you to figure out what those gifts are. You might just have a servant's heart. You like to help people when you have time. You might have a generous heart and you have the ability to do it and you like to bless people with financial things, giving gifts, whatever it is. God has put that in your heart and you know that. Don't fight it. 
you know, God blesses you for using the gifts that He has given you. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. And, and it's scary at times, alright? But don't let the fear drive you to burying the gift that God has given you. Just like the servant with the five and the two talents. They, they took them and there was return. They doubled them. And the Master came back and celebrated that. But don't be wicked and slothful. Don't be like the one. And so, in all of that, I'm thinking we need to continue on. Um, and uh, I'm going to look at James chapter 5, verse 3, if you want to turn with me there. James chapter 5, verse 3. Because this is contrary to what the world is teaching us as far as what's important and what we're supposed to do with who we are, with what we have. Here in verse 3 of chapter 5, it says, Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. This is a warning to the rich. And, and so, a lot of times the world tells us that we need to acquire things. We need to have money. We need to have possessions. We, and, and we let that drive us. And when it does, the Bible tells us that really... There's, there's no value in that. Eternally, there's no value in that. Um, you're gonna leave and it, you know, things are gonna be destroyed. And it tells us even differently in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, or 1 and 2, it says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. And it is a grievous evil. See, when we're not content with what we have and we continue to try and, and, and just make more and have more and it consumes us and then we don't even get to use it. Alright? I mean, it's not, even though it was ours, then we're gone and someone else gets to enjoy it. And that's not what should motivate us. What should motivate us is seeking God's will in our lives and what He has given us as gifts to share with others so that that eternal kingdom can be built up. So 1 Peter chapter 4, if you would go there with me, I want, I want you to see what it says starting in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has given us gifts and He wants us to use them. And it does tell us that there will be a reward for us. But just think about why are we using the gifts that God has given us? And what happens when we do? Have you experienced just as you serve the Lord, as you use the gifts that God has given you, there is blessing. And God continues to pour out more on you. And it creates this desire. It's like you want to just continue giving more, serving more. I mean, if God's really given you something that He wants you to use, and you use it, you're realizing that you were made for this. 
If you haven't experienced that, I wonder what will it take for you to find out what God has wired you to do. For me, going back to my graduation gift, my utmost for His highest, putting that on the shelf, leaving it sit there, was like burying a gift. I didn't realize that that was going to be something important in my faith. But it wasn't just that. It was me prioritizing my faith. I put my faith on a shelf. Okay? Now, I felt like I had faith, okay, but I wasn't active in growing in the Lord. And so, for those years that my utmost for His highest sat on the shelf, I was holding on to something that was, was there, but it was waning. It was, it was not thriving. It was not growing the way it should because it sat on the shelf. And the longer it sat on the shelf, the more the dust built up, the further that faith was in the distance as if I didn't even have a faith. And so when I opened up my utmost for His highest, it was because I brushed the dust off my faith and started living my life according to the Spirit that God put in me because I believe that the Spirit was in me, but I was not listening. And that, that can happen. And that's, that's my, my fear for us as Christians is that we would hold on to a faith that we had, a faith that was given to us by the way we were raised. Now, I had to wrestle through with why did I believe what I believe. And there's no wrong with wrestling through and having questions and answering those and, and letting God reveal things to you so that you can be confident in your faith um, that's what grows us. And as I started to serve the Lord the way God wired me to serve, it was, it was amazing to see what God would do. Now, it scared me. And really, out of fear, I wanted to say no a lot of times. In fact, when I got to the point where I was here at Living Christian Church and I was just volunteering, um, I was okay with that. And, and, and God was not. God was giving me something new and I didn't think I could do it. Quite honestly, in my flesh, I said no, but in my spirit, I was saying yes, and it scared me. Now, there were a lot of years where I wasted um, opportunities, and, and, I, and I have to wrestle through that, and um, I think we all do. I mean, we don't always say yes when we should say yes. Sometimes we say no, and then we realize I should have said yes. It hurts sometimes because it takes us through difficult situations. We have to overcome fear, the anxiety. When I told Phil yes, I told him I wasn't going to preach. Because it scares me to be up here. There's a responsibility and it has to make sense to you. And, and that, you know, it's a lot of work. And who am I to give you a message? But I trust God's Word and I trust what God did in my life and so as I look at this parable of the talents and I see what God did by giving these generous gifts to these men, He gives us gifts. It doesn't matter if it's five, two, or one. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what God gave you? And that, that is my thought for these graduates. What, are they, you know, what is going to drive their decisions? And I could go off on a tangent about how I made decisions. We don't have time for that. Um, we can have coffee sometime and talk about it if you're really interested, but it's crazy how God will bless you when you are obedient. And how God will pour out His Spirit 
to guide you in your decisions when you listen. And, and so this morning, I want you to hear that. I don't know where you're at with your gifts. I don't know how many God has given you, but I know that He's given you gifts. Are you using them? And I see people using them all the time. All right? But I also see people saying no when I think they should be saying yes. We all wrestle through that. Don't let fear cause you to bury the gift that God has given you. Amen? Would you stand with me? I want you to think about these graduates and the decisions that they're going to be making and pray for them. Some of them are already solid. They think they know what they want to do, but what if God has a better plan? Some of them are going back and forth trying to figure out, should I do this because it makes sense financially or should I do this because that's where my heart is? Let's pray for them. But look around this room and you see people who have gifts Let's pray that we would use them, that we would be one, the unity of the church, that the church would continue to be strengthened because we're using our gifts. Let's pray. God, You have blessed us. Lord, we have so much opportunity. Just like a free education, it doesn't do any good unless we take advantage of it. God, This free gift of eternal life doesn't do us any good unless we say yes. And Lord, even when we say yes, it doesn't do us any good unless we continue to say yes because You have given us gifts, talents to be used to build Your kingdom, to grow the church, to follow Your Spirit. Lord, as You've poured out a Spirit on us, Lord, as You have given us ideas of what we should do to serve You, Lord, help us to say yes. Father, help us to continue to lift one another up, to encourage one another to follow You. God, it is a privilege and a blessing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.